Penguins have been looking for answers again after a very disappointing weekend. They lost six, they had won two, as you mentioned, and they have dropped a couple since. So the last ten, not what the Penguins are looking for. Don't look now, but the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be tied with the Columbus Blue Jackets and the New York Islanders in those wild card positions. Nine wins in a row for the Flyers. Only the seventh time in franchise history they've managed nine in a row. And the Flyers continue their role as they're back tied in points with the Capitals atop the Metropolitan Division. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Our Line Starts with Patrick Sharp. I'm Catherine Tappan. We're going to have Anson Carter. He's joining us by phone. He's in New York City getting set for his responsibilities, helping out the broadcast for the Rangers and the Dallas Stars. What's up, Ace? Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Not much, KT. How you doing? Doing okay. Doing great, actually. We're here in studio. It's just Sharpie and I. Couldn't be better. Well, you know what? No Milbury. You couldn't be better. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're still flying high after Sunday, too. International Women's Day. I mean, that's another excuse not to have Mike Milbury in the studio. But <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, I watched the broadcast at home. You guys killed it. Well, what was the sense, you know, when you're actually going through it that you get the feeling that you're doing something different, something new and unique? Oh, thanks, Ace. I appreciate that. I thought it was awesome. I thought the women on site did a tremendous job. Uh, Kate Scott hit it out of the park. She was great. Uh, the production truck was great. And it was fun here in studio. I had never worked with Jennifer Bottrell before, and, and she was incredibly impressive and just a pleasure to be around. But, you know, you talk about did it feel – it definitely felt different. I mean, um, the voices were different, but also I thought um, the lead-up to it. And, I mean, Sharpie, you know, you know, from playing in big games, you felt like it was a big game on Sunday. It, and For sure. I was yeah. getting tons of texts, and I wasn't even – I didn't have anything to do with International Women's Day. wasn't on the broadcast at all. But I was getting – my phone was blowing up like it was a big-time game, mm -hmm. Hawks, Blues – uh, the game was entertaining, but I agree with Anson. You guys did a great job, and I've got two little girls at home, eight and six, that are starting to show a little bit of an interest in playing hockey and watching it. Mm -hmm. I sat them down the other day and showed them the YouTube clip of Kendall Coyne skating at the mm -hmm. skills competition. Oh, awesome. So uh, all good things. Yeah, it was all good. That's the point. It was all good things. It was all positive. Um, it ended up, and it was all positive. And uh, I just thought that, you know, from beginning to end, and last year, uh, last week, rather, Ace, it started to build up, you know, the media attention. We were all doing phoners. We were all doing um, interviews with colleagues of ours in the industry, which was pretty cool when they're calling you, asking you questions about the importance of this moment. And um, I thought it was just the buildup was tremendous. And then the actual broadcast itself, I loved the stories that our production team put together, those great features on black girl hockey. And um, we brought back the Shelley Looney story, which was great. I had a chance to spend time with her. So I think top to bottom, it was it was pretty awesome. And uh, Ace, I know you've got little daughters at home, too, so hopefully they enjoyed it as well. I do, I do. I've had them tuning in. That's the only time I've gotten to watch hockey because they can hear women's voices <laughs> instead of awesome. men's voices. They're driving me crazy. But, you know, I, I got to feel like it's a good start. You know, like I don't think that we should just stop there of having one day. Uh, like what are your thoughts, KT? Like I'd like to see this happening more often so that it becomes a regular thing, not just, you know, one day with International Women's Day and you have this broadcast you're putting a spotlight on. But it should be a common thing. 
where you have women all the time. I know we're pretty fortunate there in the studio there in, in Stanford where we have a ton of women in our production meetings. Like, look at her, like, I don't think anything of it at right, all when I walk right. into the production meeting, and almost half the meeting is women, and half the meeting is men. Yeah, it's true. And, and I've I, talked to people in other networks that isn't really the case. It's true. I mean, we, we've done a great job with, um, with, with bringing very talented and qualified women into our control rooms and behind the scenes and um, in front of the camera. And I think that it would be really fun to have, you know, why not Kate Scott with Edzo and Boosh between the benches? Why not Doc with AJ and Kendall between the bench? Why not mix it up? Why does it have to be all in one on one day? I think, you know, we see the talent and everybody can work together integrate the best people for the best positions in those games and, you know, bring Jennifer in here for a playoff game, bring Kendall in. I mean, that's what, that's what I think we're getting at. And, and hopefully by doing it all together on Sunday and showing what we're all capable of, I think it, it will eventually lead to that. And that's the goal. And also to inspire the, the little ones at home watching like your guys' daughters. So thanks for that, Ace. Appreciate it. Uh, we've got a lot of other stuff of we have to talk about coming up. And there are a lot of big topics as we head into the final stretch of the regular season. The Metropolitan Division, it's madness. The Flyers are surging. The Penguins are struggling. So how exactly are things going to shake out? Out west, the Colorado Avalanche, some major injury concerns, including last night, Nathan McKinnon, the latest of a long line of injured abs getting hurt in that game against the Los Angeles Kings, and also a coronavirus update. Could the NHL play games to empty arenas? It's a real possibility in San Jose. Plus, Pierre Maguire sat down with Lightning defenseman Victor Hedman. First things first, and let's talk about this Metropolitan Division. We have a huge game tonight between the Bruins and the Flyers. You look at this Philadelphia Flyers team, Sharpie. Where has this come from? A nine-game winning streak. We're no longer talking about the Pe Penguins being second in the Metropolitan. We're talking about the Flyers possibly taking over first place ahead of Washington. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? They've always had good players. They've had a nice team. I really like the coaching staff, the veteran group back there. they got Michelle Terry and Mike Yo as assistant coaches. Both those guys have served as a head coach before, previously in the National Hockey League. And then Alan Vigno has done a great job of kind of putting players in the right spots. Uh, they're defending well, and that's generally a sign of a veteran coaching staff. They find weaknesses. They find ways to shut the game down. They're getting good goaltending. Their home road splits are starting to work themselves out. Brian Elliott getting a lot of those starts on the road. Carter Hart playing most of his games at home. But a uh, couple shuffled players move the lines around. All of a sudden, guys start feeling good about themselves, and you capture a pretty solid winning streak here. And uh, now is the time that you want to be peaking. And I don't know if the Flyers have peaked yet, but they're certainly yeah. playing good hockey down the stretch. What do you think, Ace? Do you think they've peaked, or are we seeing what this Flyers team is all about? No, I think we're seeing what they're all about. Uh, you know, you wasn't really sure when I saw Oscar Lindblom going down well, with cancer how this team would react. But they really rallied around that. And, Sharp, you touched on a little bit with the defensive hockey. That's one thing A.V. really wanted to implement when he came to Philadelphia. They wanted to lower their goals against. And bringing in a player like Matt Niskanen certainly helps. You know, you see the way Ivan Provorov's taken off. When they drafted him in the first round, uh, this is the kind of player they expected. They want to see a guy that would get it done in the power play, but you could also play in all three zones of the ice. And that's certainly what's happening right now. So having... Niskanen back there and having Braun back there settles things down dramatically in the defensive zone. And when you have a young goaltender like Carter Hart, where you want to make sure you limit the number of grade-A shots, the Philadelphia Flyers have certainly done that. And you look at A.V.'s record, Vancouver, uh, Montreal, even uh, New York most recently, all he does is make the playoffs. That's what he does. And he's come close a couple times to Stanley Cup Finals. He could have a couple of championships under his belt. So I think he's a very underrated coach. And I'm not really that surprised at what he's done so far in Philadelphia. 
What about the matchups for the postseason? I mean, is this a matchup that the Flyers are trying to avoid their rival? I mean, do they want to play Pittsburgh? Do they want to play Washington? What do you think, Sharpie? I think the way they feel right now, they don't care who they're going to play. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, you brought up them. They've been struggling as mm -hmm. of late. I'm not too concerned yet uh, with the Penguins. They brought in a lot of players at the trade deadline, a lot of forward uh, pieces that need to be moved around and start to feel comfortable. You know, this losing streak that they're on, what, is, what are the numbers? They've lost two of their last... Yeah, I mean, sorry, they're, two, they're, they're two and eight in their last... Right. Exactly. Three ten. of those games are on a West Coast trip where you play L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose, who, if you check the standings, have been giving teams a pretty good run uh, since the trade deadline. And those teams that have those young players in the lineup certainly give... Um, themselves something to play for down the stretch. But Pittsburgh, I think there's too much there to start doubting them. Philly, I don't think they care who they play. They just want to continue having these good feelings, stay healthy, and roll into the playoffs on a hot streak because you're going to have to face a good team, mm -hmm. whoever you're playing. Right. Yeah, what do you think, Ace? Yeah, I think it comes down to matchups. At this point, I don't know if they really care. I don't think they'd want to face Pittsburgh. Uh, their in-state rival, I don't think it'll be good for the Philadelphia Flyers to, to face Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Uh, you know, because I think at that point in the season, when Pittsburgh gets their game together, I think they're going to start rolling. It's going to take some time for guys to get acclimated. Typically, Jim Rutherford likes to acquire players early in the regular season to give them a chance to really get involved with the team and, and come together. Uh, it's very rare that, that Jimmy makes these late-season trades like he did. But he did. He made them. And it's going to take some time for guys to figure out their roles. You know, Zucker's fitted nicely with Sidney Crosby. But as they start to get healthier... I think you'll see the Pittsburgh Penguins start to pick up their game. But I've always seen and, and said that it comes down to matchups. That first round, you want to have an easy matchup. Even though all the teams deserve to be there, there there's some teams that match up easier with others. And I don't think uh, the Flyers want to face the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't think the, the Penguins want to face the Flyers either. But also, like what Sharpie said, you're going to face a good team at some mm -hmm. point. So might as well get out of the way early. Who do you guys think is going to win this Metropolitan Division? I mean, Washington, it seemed like, was untouchable for most of the season. Now they're facing some pretty tight competition. The points are getting, you know, between the two are getting smaller and smaller. Philly maybe with a chance to overtake that division. Who do you think actually wins it, though? I think uh, Washington's going to win the division. I think they're built top to bottom, a team that can win four rounds in the playoffs again. I like their size. I like their physicality. Uh, whenever they wind it up and start finishing checks on the forecheck, the game changes. Not every team in the league can play that physical brand of hockey. Washington can. 82 games is a long season. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. Washington hasn't been um, as lights out as we've seen them before, but they're still in great shape. They know what lies ahead, and I think it's the old light switch factor. They're going to turn it on here pretty soon and win that division. What, you think you agree with them there, Ace? Washington yeah, winning the division? I, I think they have a chance, and I'm going to take a flyer on the Philadelphia Flyers, KT. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think the Flyers, you know, no pun intended, I think they have a chance. I mean, <laughs> with how dominant they've been at home, I mean, it's almost a guaranteed death taxes and the Flyers winning at home. That, that's how good they've been at home. If they could straighten out their road game, um, I, I think they'll be a, a pretty formidable opponent to, to try to knock out that top spot there in that Metro division. And they're hungry, too. You know, the Caps have won recently, so I think the – Philadelphia Flyers have something to prove. I think AV is really pushing the right buttons. And Derek Grant, I mean, he's fitting great with that team. That line with Scott Lawton and Tyler Pitt, like they've been unreal. And they've had the balance that they haven't had in so many years. We've always been talking about Couturier and, you know, they're, they're catching all the time trying to get it done, Claude Giroux. But now they've got space and they've got speed up and down the lineup. So when you have that kind of depth, you can match up against the Washington Capitals. Um, I think it'll be hard to really count the Flyers out of the race.
All right. Do stay tuned. Meanwhile, out west, uh, the Colorado Avalanche likely to make the postseason. Going to go out on a limb and say that. However, they are facing some significant injuries to their lineup, and the latest being Nathan McKinnon. Uh, with a, he's out indefinitely with a lower body injury. He joins Miko Rantanen, Andre Burakovsky, Matt Calvert, Nazem Kadri, Kale McCarr, Philip Grubauer. Uh, this is a long list of star players, Sharpie. Can the Colorado Avalanche sustain where they're at and battle through? to the end of the regular season with this amount of injuries? Not without McKinnon. No, they're going to struggle. Their team's going to be drastically different. All those guys that you just mentioned, every one of them except McKinnon, you can deal with. And the Avalanche have been dealing with it. Rantanen, he's an all-star player. He can carry a team by himself. Burakovsky's had a nice season. Matt Calvert, one of those bottom six penalty kill type wingers that can slide in and out of the lineup. Kadri plays a big role at the center ice position. We know about Makar on the back end. Grubauer, your starting goalie. The reason why you can withstand all those guys being injured is because you have Nathan McKinnon. Now, the fact that he's out indefinitely, that's a huge concern yeah. for me. All these guys are coming back by the sounds of things by mid-March, end of March, play a couple games, get ready for the playoffs. Nathan McKinnon's the key to that team. So let's hope he's healthy because, man, is he fun to watch when he's going. He is fun to watch. Anson, uh, when you see and you hear all those injuries, what's your take on this Avalanche team right now? Yeah, you know what? McKinnon definitely is a straw that stirs the drink. When those other top players are out, he's really taken it personally and he's elevated his game to a whole different level. But I, I watched Colorado play as of late and watched them reel off all these victories, and they've changed their style. You know, it's not so much the up-and-down, flashy avalanche team that we're used to seeing. Like, they've become a gritty, grinded-out, win one nothing hockey game. So, I mean, Francois has been a big reason why. But I like the acquisitions they've had there in Belmar and the kid getting like Logan O'Connor getting called up and Jost and even um, Gerard and Don Squire. Like these are guys that aren't as flashy as you know the high end players of Rantanen and McKinnon and even Kadri who brings that great combination of skill. But they're playing a different style of game where you have to succeed in the playoffs. It isn't so much run and gun hockey. It's grinded out. Will beat you one nothing, two one, three two close hockey games. And I really believe that'll bode well for them when it comes down to the postseason. You look at the race out west, too. I mean, the Dallas Stars, this is a, a team that's also coming into their stride right about the right time. Sharpie, they're going to play the Rangers tonight. But they're the team that's chasing Colorado. So there's a good chance. I mean, Dallas sees all these injuries for Colorado and says, here's our opportunity yeah, to gain and, some ground. And they've got, what, 10 games, 13 games mm -hmm. left to kind of turn things on here and, and make a run because that's another division where uh, there's a huge advantage in finishing first. You got St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas. One of those teams is going home in the first round, uh, and that's a shame because I like all three of them to go deep. They all have the capability to do so. Dallas plays a game that's much different than when I used to be a Dallas star. It used to be run and gun, win game 6-5, and now they're very comfortable in those 2-1, 3-2 mm -hmm. games. Ben Bishop's got a lot to do with that. Their strong defense score is, and the buy-in from their top players, they're more concerned with winning games than getting points right now, and that's, that's a big step forward for that Dallas Stars team. So the door is open. Uh, McKinnon changes things. When he's not in the lineup, this is going to be a different avalanche team. We'll see it. Uh, that's not to say they can't win games down the stretch, but I, I think Dallas will make it interesting. I mean, Ace, you're around that team right now, the Stars and the Rangers, uh, getting ready for tonight's game. I'm curious to know what the Rangers' perspective is right now because this is a team that you know, it was, looked like they were making a run. Then they lose Kreider. Uh, they, they have some significant injuries as well. But what's their reaction like right now? What are the players saying as far as their hopes getting in? Well, to be honest, I thought they were done too. Once Kreider went down the broken foot, I mean, that line that he was playing on the top line, Bushnevich and, and Zibanejad, is one of the best in the National Hockey League at the time. And then losing Shesterkin the way they did, 
and the extended period of time, I thought there's no way. Even though Georgiev's played well for them, I thought their chances uh, were over. But when you have a player like Nika Zibanejad put on that Superman cape and that, that <laughs> S in the front of his jersey and, and score five goals like he did a few nights ago, um, you know, they, they still have a chance. And this team really believes. And I think the big reasons why uh, you've got Panarin and Zibanejad playing on two different lines. You know, it's not unlike that, something like we've seen at Edmonton with McDavid and Dreisaitl or Crosby and you've got Malkin or Kane and Taves. Like you've got these elite players that can play on two different lines. But when they get together again, they're almost unstoppable. And I don't know, KT or Sharp, if you guys have watched the cartoon called Voltron back in the day. It's like those, those five robots that by themselves, they're a force. When they get together, they form like a super robot. Have you <laughs> seen you it? you can't stop them. Do you have any idea what he's talking about? Because I don't. I haven't seen it, <laughs> you but have to he explained look it, it up. well. Look up Voltron, okay? <laughs> look it up. Did he grow up in the same decade, Ace? I don't know who this is you're talking about. <laughs> you can't beat them, I'm telling you. <laughs> KT, might be a little bit before your time, but Sharpie, maybe yours too. Look it up. If you guys haven't seen Voltron, look it up. You guys missed out. <laughs> All right. We're going to get right on that. Right as soon as we hang up with you, Ace. I'll do it right before I prep for the show tonight. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so maybe the Rangers will get in. We'll see. What do you think? Do you think they're going to get in? Uh, I don't know. It, it's tough. It, it's real tight there with New yeah. York. They were playing so well before the trade deadline. I feel like uh, they were caught up in the momentum of the attention on the team each and every day of the season. Going into that trade deadline, how many guys were going to be traded? Um, it seemed like they were all playing at the, the highest point of their game at the right time. And then as soon as that dr- trade deadline passed, everybody takes a deep mm-hmm. breath, right? Okay, now we're all staying here. This is our team. This is our group. couple injuries really hurt the team, and it's been a struggle ever since. But I've been impressed with that Rangers team this year. They've been one of the most fun teams for me to watch on a nightly basis. A lot of it has to do with our Timmy Panera, and I love the way he plays the game. Uh, but you can't really complain about the way Zibanejad has been playing lately. Not just the five goals that he scored, not just every time he touches the puck, but he's a good defensive centerman now. He's come a long way since his days in Ottawa. All right. And you know what, Sharpie, too? Just quickly, KT. Uh, you know, when they started the season, they played Panarin and Zibanejad together, and they were leading the league in scoring. I mean, those two were on fire, and the kind of the best thing that happened to the Rangers is when Mika went down with an injury. Like, you never want to see a guy get injured, but it actually worked out to the benefit of the Rangers because then Ryan Strom was allowed to develop some chemistry with Panarin. So now that's why you've got the two units. You know, if Mika never went down early, maybe he'd still be playing with the bread man right. and they'd be a one-line team. Now they've been able to separate those two, and that's what's made them more dangerous as a hockey club. Well, if you're a Rangers fan, no matter what happens, everybody wants them to get in the playoffs, but no matter what happens this season, there is tremendous hope for the future. A very young, promising team, a great head coach, and David Quinn. So uh, the future is bright for the New York Rangers, and their fans are happy to hear that. Meanwhile, let's shift our attention to something that has been dominating the news throughout our entire world right now, but this coronavirus and how it's affecting the NHL and other pro sports franchises. Of course, media access limited to regions outside of team locker rooms. And now the latest uh, developing stories from each city that's coming out, Santa Clara being one of them, their public health department announced a temporary ban on all events to prevent mass gatherings. So that would focus in the NHL on the San Jose Sharks. They don't play at home again until March 19th, but the team said on Monday that they would be addressing the situation. They're going to look into how they will incorporate whether or not they're going to allow fans into their arena, how they're going to play these games. Of course, this is a developing story, but here is what the players in the locker room in San Jose had to say regarding this new update. And we start with Joe Thornton. You know, what's going on right now, I think it's just, it's, it's weird for everybody. So I think we're, we're all, you know, 
confused like you guys are and I see you know Italian soccer teams are doing the no fans thing so I'm not sure you know what we'll have planned right now so um, like I said we go on the road for a week so we'll know more when we get back I mean I have obviously never been in the NHL and played a game without any fans so uh, that idea would would definitely be uh, very different um, I know they kind of made a, an announcement on over a couple of different scenarios and I think we're just all waiting to find out to see what uh actually happen so um obviously the uh, empty building is one of them and um there'd definitely be a it'd be, it'd be very strange to, to play in an empty building that's for sure yeah, Vander Kane, very strange. It would be very strange, but it is something that is a possibility. And as, uh, you know, none of the three of us are health experts, but you guys are experts in playing in great big stadiums with loud crowds and cheering fans and fans booing you when you go to other <laughs> venues. So, Sharpie, how do you think, from a player's perspective, this is going to affect what happens? Uh, it'll change a lot, that's for sure. I've done it, actually, KT, for about two years. We played in front of an empty building in Chicago. Here's 2005. And six, there was no fans coming <laughs> to watch right. us play. Um, and it does feel weird being in a big building. Uh, we probably had about five to 9,000 people at each game. And uh, it made a big difference, definitely, when the building is full. So uh, I, can't, um, I can't begin to imagine what it would be like to be a player on the bench score a goal. You could probably hear a lot more, that's for sure. Would they still <laughs> play like the music? Practice, would they I still guess, pump right? the guys up? <laughs> would they still show the videos to entertain the crowd? Uh, I don't know how that would quite work, but the biggest thing is, I guess, is safety and, yeah. and precautionary concerns, all that stuff. So uh, we kind of went through something like this a little bit a couple of years ago with the mumps outbreak through mm. all the locker rooms in the National Hockey League. They got control of that, so let's hope that uh, we don't have to play any games in an empty building. What, what about Sharpie you, Ace? You beat me to it. You beat me to it, Sharpie. I was going to bring up the time I played in Chicago a few times and I had my buddies from state in town, and I could literally <laughs> hear them making dinner reservations in the stands. <laughs> that, that's how few people were there. I could hear them saying, where are we going tonight for dinner? And I'm like looking up thinking, can I really hear these guys talking about our dinner reservations? <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, Florida Panthers would be unreal <laughs> as a team because they're used to playing in empty buildings right now. But, I mean, you guys know from being in the studio versus being – at the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup Finals, being on location, it's a totally different animal when you have that energy of the fans behind you. It just, it just you know, there's, there's, you can't help but get excited and, and get up for the moment. So as a player, you know, it, it's the worst when you're playing in front of nobody compared to when you're playing in front of a packed audience because you might not have it that night, but the energy of the audience gets you through that first period and eventually gets your juices flowing. So uh, I, I agree safety first, but it would be definitely weird to be playing in front of nobody in the building, that's for sure. It's certainly concerning, um, you know, worldwide health concern here. But when you think about the close proximity that you guys are in, in the locker room, on the ice, and um, really opposing teams as well, what kind of measures did you guys take when you were players as far as staying safe when even the guy on the team, if there was pink eye or there was something that was happening with you guys, you know, a flu, a common cold that, you know, it can spread pretty quickly. What did you guys do to take precautions? Just send the guy home right away. Any any signs of, of the flu or sickness? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago would just send that player home and make sure he comes back when he's healthy. It is pretty gross when you think about it, KT. You got 25 guys on a bench, 23. Everybody's sweating, spitting all the time. Yeah, I, I was, I was guilty that. of that. I used to spit on the bench all the time. It's disgusting now that I'm not playing. You got guys bleeding on each other out there. So uh, the trainers have t- taken care of the players for so long. Uh, we owe a lot to them. They'll, they'll get a handle on things in that locker room. Well, and I covered it when the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Washington Capitals on location in between the benches, like the year they had the mumps breakout. And I literally threw up my good dress shoes right after the game because <laughs> I had to walk through the bench and everyone's like 
spitting loogies on the bench all the time. And I was like, you know what? There's no way I'm bringing these dress shoes in my suitcase. It's just not happening. So there's a pretty expensive pair of dress shoes, like left of the igloo <laughs> or at whatever it's called now, PPG Paints Arena or whatever. I, I could have given it to the homeless guy outside or whatever, but I was like, I wasn't taking any chances. So you're in such close proximity to the guys every single day, every single minute. I know when you played, you're like that. Sometimes you'd even share water balls with guys. So uh, I'm sure teams are taking every precaution as possible just to make sure that guys are washing their hands or doing what's necessary to make sure that yeah. if someone does get sick and come down with it, they are staying far away from the locker room. All right. Of course, we'll continue to monitor the situation as well and, uh, and keep you updated on all the latest. Uh, Ace, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Have fun on the broadcast tonight. We've got of much course, more coming up you. here on Our Line Stars. But first, Pierre Maguire sat down with Lightning defenseman Victor Hedman last week just prior to his injury. Hedman will not play Tuesday night against the Leafs, but he did skate with the team and is expected back in the lineup shortly. Here was their conversation. It is awesome to be joined by Victor Hedman from Orange School Vic's Feed and right, Ovic? Yeah, that's explain to our viewers where that is and how far it is from Tampa. Uh, from Tampa, it's uh, you know probably like a fourteen-hour flight. Uh, fourteen hours, that's yeah, right, right? Yeah. Fourteen. It's an hour flight from Stockholm, you know, up north, right in the ocean. You know, it's a beautiful place, and you know, couldn't be happier to be from such a great town. When you were a young man growing up there, there were some really good players there. Marcus Naslin, Peter Forsberg, the two Sedins, who I know you're close with. I was fortunate enough to be part of a group that drafted Marcus, so I go a long way back to Ovik. Yeah. But um, what was it like growing up in that town and seeing those guys play? How much did that influence you? No, it influenced me, uh, you know, tremendously. And, uh, you know, I had two older brothers that played, you know, Oscar, uh, got drafted by the Capitals in, mm -hmm. in the fifth round in I don't even know, 04 maybe, mm -hmm. and uh, Johan, who's my oldest brother, played a, a lot too, and, you know, didn't make it over here, but, uh, you know, played in the Swedish league, uh, second league, and went around Europe a little bit, so, you know, those guys combined with, you know, the Sedin twins, Marcus, Peter, uh, you know, Matty Tamander, Solomonson, Svartfad, you yeah, know, we had so many guys, Nick Sundstrom, who played yep. in New York for, for a mm -hmm. number of years, you know. Being surrounded by so many NHL guys in such a small town, you know, it's unheard of. So, uh, you know, it's pretty easy for me to, you know, fall in, fall in love with hockey right away and, you know, try and follow their footsteps. But uh, to be honest with you, when I was younger, you know, my goal was to play for Moto, you know, mm -hmm. not to make it to the That's NHL. That's a club team. Yeah, yeah that's a club that. team, yeah. yeah. You know, play for Moto and the Three Crowns was, was my dream. Mm -hmm. And then when you get older, you kind of looked at – you know where the other guys played and you know they played over here so that became the goal and uh, you know so fortunate to to be in the situation now in 2006 Sweden won the gold medal they beat Finland in Torino I was there doing the game yeah you were watching it at home yeah what was your reaction like in Sweden when the Swedes won the gold at the Olympics well this was actually you know in 06 like I said I was on a bus so I couldn't watch <laughs> it on TV so we were listening on the radio and you know, you know that they score that goal early in the third. Yeah, and Matt Sundin. Yeah, yes, a big bomb. I thought it was Lidstrom. Oh, Lidstrom, Lidstrom yeah, from Sundin. Yeah, 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 And uh, then Hank makes a save with you know how many seconds left. You know, mm -hmm. open net yeah. and gets the blocker up, and you know, yes, the big uh, yeah, yes, the celebration on the bus was you know it was unbelievable. And, but you couldn't see it, but you can still think of it in your head while listening on it, and. Uh, that was a that was a big time win, obviously. How come Sweden is developing so many great defensemen? <laughs> you know, that's a good question. You know, for us, 
you know, obviously having Nick Flistrom as kind of our role model for the guys coming into the league right now, uh, you know, is a big part of it. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, in, in this day and age, you need puck-moving defensemen to, you know, usually back in the day you talk about offensive defensemen and defensive defensemen. Now you look at teams, you know, you get, you know, six guys that can scoot up the ice mm -hmm. and, and defend well. So, uh, and you should get a little bit more ice time on the back end. So, uh, <laughs> maybe that's a... That's a smart move by guys, too. One of your good buddies is Eric Carlson. How close was it for him to come to Tampa and play? <laughs> you know, I don't know how close it got, but uh, that was obviously, uh, you know, a dream scenario for us, you know, right. to be able to play together again. You know, we played together, um, you know, different, you know, national teams. The 09 World Junior, you yeah. guys were phenomenal in Ottawa. I remember yeah. that, clear as day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we kind of wanted to get back to that, but... Uh, you know, I, I know he's super happy in San Jose. Obviously, you know, tough tough end to the season for him this year uh, with the surgery but uh, I know he's super happy and his family's super happy out there so uh, as long as he's happy I'm happy for him something that a lot of people don't know about you is you know how to fly a plane yeah I kind of how did that start uh, you know I've been interested since I was a kid yeah. uh, and I learned my grandpa was uh, was a pilot in, in the Swedish army and you know he unfortunately crashed he survived the crash but he crashed and broke his leg but Maybe that's where I got my interest from. My dad has always been interested in planes, mm -hmm. and you know, my goal is to, is to get my license once I retire. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mr. Vinick said, you know, you gotta wait until you play hockey. You know, <laughs> Mr. Vinick's the owner, Tampa yeah, Bay. <laughs> yeah, no unnecessary risk. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay, uh, you know, I'll wait. You know, I did probably eight hours right. uh, in the air, but uh, you know, I got my simulator, you know, at home still, and you know, I take it out every now and then. When you think about Oh, 09. They say the New York Islanders are proud to select John Tavares. And then the Tampa Bay Lightning come up and they say the Tampa Bay Lightning are proud to select from Modo in North Skoldvik, Sweden, Victor Hedman. What does that feel like when you hear your name at the draft? Your dream's coming true. Yeah, What's that like? I don't know if you can put it to words. You know, oh, 09 was, uh, you know, it was a hectic year. It was the most ex one of the most exciting years I've had in my hockey career. You know, you have World Juniors. You know the draft is upcoming, yeah. and on top of that, you got to finish school. Uh, you play with Moto in the elite league. You know you're traveling, and mm -hmm. you know you're not home much, and you miss a lot of school time. But uh, you know it's a hectic year, but uh, you know it's all worth it when it comes down to that. And you know you know selected that high is is, is very rare. So uh, I was so happy, and you know couldn't come to a better place than here in Tampa as well. And you started right away. I remember Wayne Fleming, the late coach, he was an yeah. assistant coach here, put so much time in with you. Um, he used to tell me all the time, you were right about Victor Hedman. He's going to be really special. Yeah. But I know he put a lot of time in with you. Can you talk about how Wayne might have influenced your yeah, career a little bit? Yeah, Wayne was, you know, he was a, I couldn't ask for a better, you know, mentor at that time. And he loved Swedish hockey, you know, mm -hmm. he coached over there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I knew about him even before, before I got here. So, uh, you know, with his experience and his, you know, influence in my game and, you know, calming me down, you know, showing me clips and, you know, just being sort of a mentor meant a lot to me. And maybe at the time you don't realize it because you're young, you're trying to learn as quick as you can. And, you know, you want to go out there and perform since you're such a high draft pick, you know, you put pressure on yourself to, to be the guy right away. And, you know, that wasn't the case for me. It was a lot of up and downs in, in the beginning of my, my career over here. But, 
I'm still so happy I came over that at that age and you know I got to learn right away what mm -hmm. to do and you know what works and what doesn't work and you know Matthias Olin was another mm -hmm. great mentor I had mm -hmm. so uh, you know I was fortunate enough to to be surrounded by some you know amazing people and great role models that you know really took my game to to the next level what did it mean to you and to the Tampa Bay Lightning when Steven Stamkos had unrestricted free agency potential and he chose to stay in Tampa what did it mean to you no, it meant the world, and you know, it's no secret. Me and Stammer, you know, obviously, you know, very, very good friends, mm -hmm. and been together for a long time. And you know, we kind of, we obviously stayed in contact through that whole process. And uh, you know, June thirtieth hit, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, with the time difference, I was in Sweden at the time, and you know, he said, "Yeah, I've decided I'm going to stay in Tampa," and you know, that's a relief. And, you know, you're so happy for him, and you know, the next day I signed, so you know, I didn't hold out mm -hmm. as long. You know, <laughs> it was probably a 24 hour span between our signings, yeah. but uh, you know, I had another year left on my deal. But mm -hmm. uh, this is where we want to be, this is where we want to win, and uh, you know, this has been our home since we're 18 years old, so uh, we're so fortunate and we're super proud to, to wear that lighting crest. You talked about Mr. Vinnick before, the owner here in Tampa. Can you tell the people at home what kind of owner he is? Because I think he's probably the best owner in the league. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Vinnick, you know, came into, you know, late my first year, you know, when he bought the team. And, uh, you know, we haven't looked back since. You know, he's been not only for the organization, but the community as well. You know, he's including everyone and wants everyone to be a big family. You know, he wants it to be a world-class organization. And... Uh, you know, my first year, we, you know, the half the building was empty. Mm -hmm. You know, the organization was struggling, you know, on the business side. And, you know, he brought in some great people, obviously, to start with uh, Todd Leiviki mm -hmm. as the CEO and, you know, Steve Eisman as the GM. And, you know, that's a pretty good starting group to, mm -hmm. to have around you. And, you know, he just kind of took it from there. And, you know, if you if you were here 10 years ago and you go here today, you know, you won't believe it's the same. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, you know, we sold out over 250 straight games, and uh, you know the community is a—it's a hockey town now, and uh, you know it's the best. Uh, in my opinion, you know, I'm biased, but yeah. you know it's the best place to play in the league. Last year it wasn't in the spring, when Columbus knocked you out in four straight. How do you guys take the next step, Victor? How do you go past the disappointment of last year and take it the next step? Well, the last year's got to be last year. You know, we. Uh, you know, you keep bringing up last year, you know, we go to Columbus this year, you know, 300 days later, uh, you know, obviously everyone springs up, you know, mm -hmm. you guys hungry for this game, you know, you know, guys know what happened last year and you look at the roster and there's 15 new players, right. you know, combining with both teams. Yeah. So there's 15 guys that weren't a part of last year and you kind of think of, well, you know, obviously we would, the guys that were there and played in those games, we knew how much it sung us and you know that was obviously what no one expected, but uh, that's what we love about hockey too. It's so close; like you, you don't know who's going to win. Like it's so tough in this league, and uh, you know it's a lot of Hall of Famers, not a lot maybe, but a few Hall of Famers that never got to win the cup. Mm -hmm. And you know how tough it is to, to make it all the way. You know we made it to the finals once in Chicago, mm -hmm. and you know you don't know if you're going to get back there. But you know we got to learn from last year is that. You know, you got to be at your best when April hits. And, uh, you know, this year has been a little bit of a challenging start. And, you know, then we kind of took off. And I really like where our game is at right now. And, you know, we're looking forward to, to finish the regular season strong and then obviously hit our stride in April. 
How good is Andre Vasilevsky? Well, he's the best goal in the league, and uh, you know I think he has a, has a really, really good chance of winning the Vesna once again this year. And uh, you know he he's bailed out many, many times, and uh, you know we we try to make life easier for him. I think we've done that this year. You know we played a lot better team def- defense, I think, this year. And uh, but uh, you know he's such a competitor. You know he's he's never out of a play. He uh, he wants to have a shout out every game. You know, he wants to have a shout out at the All Star game. You know, he's disappointed giving up three goals in an All Star game. So, you know, he's always, you know, always ready, and you know, he wants to be the best player on the ice every night. Okay, you're a big person. Everybody knows that you're like a tight end on a football team. How big is Vasilevsky? No, he's big. (laughs) Not quite as big as me, but uh, you know, he's a big boy. But you look around the league, you know, you know. You know, Markstrom, Price. You know, they're big guys, big guys as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's 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 not a lo- lot of you know small goalies out there. But what you know, I admire the most about those guys is is the way they move. You know, how mm-hmm. quick they are. You know, post to post. You know, up down up down. You mm-hmm. know, I can you just imagine how they would feel on my knees? You know, <laughs> up and down like that, going into butterfly. Yeah. And, you know, looking through screens. You know, it's probably the toughest position, obviously, to play in the league. You, and, uh, you brought up Henrik Lundqvist before, so yeah. i got to ask you. Yeah. He's a Gothenburg guy for Lunda. You're Orange Skolvik, Moto, yeah. big rivalry. Yeah. What's your takeaway on Hank's career? Because obviously we're getting near the end with Henrik Lundqvist, and he's a legend in Sweden. Not just a legend in New York, he's yeah. a legend in Sweden. What's your takeaway on Hank? No, he's, he's, he's the best Swedish goalie of all time. There's no question about that. And obviously, probably the best goalie in Rangers history. And that says a lot about you know the kind of career you know he's had you know he's not done yet if you ask him probably but uh, you know he's he's such a competitor and that's you know playing with him with the national team you know he's he's in the zone you know on a game day you know you don't talk to him you know he's in the zone <laughs> he wants he's kind of like Vasi you know he's uh, he wants to be the best player on the ice every night and uh, you know it, Situation right now in, in New York, you know, it's it, it's it's tough. You know, you got two younger goalies that comes up and has played well. And but I know Hank, he's he's going to keep competing. He's going to keep competing. He 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 wants to play games, and uh, you know, he wants to be out there. He wants to be be the goalie. And you know, we haven't by far seen the last of him. That's an interesting hat. You want to describe it and what's it all about? <laughs> Yeah, that's your dog. That's yeah, your that's my dog. French bulldog. My Frenchy hair. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> we're we're four guys, you know, that uh, designed our own hats, and you know, I kind of went through, you know, what I wanted to do, and it's for charity. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I came up with this design. You know, I work closely with the Humane Society here in Tampa, mm-hmm. and the Humane Society is, you know, they, uh, you know, stray animals, mm-hmm. you know. A non-kill shelter, which is which is big for me. So, uh, you know, we've done a lot of good work uh, with each other the last, uh, you know, five or six years. And you know, ten bucks for for each hat that I sell goes straight to May Society. And we did shirts as well, uh, but they're limited edition, so <laughs> there's only a thousand seventy-seven out there. So they got to make sure to get. Don't say that again. A thousand seventy-seven. Yeah, hats out there. That's yeah. because of 77 being your number. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so one question. I, I know the answer, but I want you to tell everybody at home. Yeah. Number 77, how'd that come about? How come you cho- chose to wear 77? 
Well, 77 was, you know, I was 41 back home, and uh, uh-huh. I came over here, Mike Smith was 41, so <laughs> I was not going to ask him, obviously. But, <laughs> uh, old goalie. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was kind of looking around, racer, Ray Thaler, equipment manager, send, you know, list of numbers, and obviously, you know, following Colorado a lot when I was when I was younger well, with Forrest Burgers. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Ray Bork story. You know, coming to Colorado after I don't know twenty season with the Bruins mm-hmm. and winning the cup, and you know, I always liked the way he played. And then you know, you got Paul Coffey seventy seven, mm-hmm. so big shoes to fill, obviously. But, you're uh, filling them very well. Seventy uh, seven, I thought was a good looking number as well. So finish this sentence for me: the Tampa Bay Lightning will win the Stanley Cup if if we win four playoff rounds. <laughs> no, but. You know, we will win if we if we play our game. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's so tough to win in this league, but you got to have the confidence. You know, we got a we got a recent Stanley Cup winner in the locker room that know what it takes with mm-hmm. with Pat Maroon. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, St. Louis was you know in last place in January, and you know they kind of hit their stride, obviously, and you know went all the way. So. You know, you got to hit your stride in April. You know, but you got to make sure that your game is where it needs to be when that when that starts. And you know, we're in a, a good way and a good path to to do that. Not only one of the best players in the National Hockey League, one of the best people in the NHL. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Victor Hedman, uh, always fun to hear from him. He's such a dominating player in the league, uh, always very accommodating with the interview Sharpie. But this is a key component to this Tampa Bay Lightning team. We've seen what Victor Hedman can do in the postseason. You had to face him in the yeah. playoffs as well during that series. But, uh, I mean, he's a challenge out there. He's even better now than he was back in 2015. He's a top defenseman in the league. Who are the top five guys that come to mind? You can list any seven, eight guys, but Victor Hedman's going to be in that top five every single time. He's a combination of size, of speed. Uh, he plays the power play, he kills penalties, going to be out there when the game's on the line, and he's got years to play. So it's uh, one of the reasons why Tampa Bay is a top team in the East. Yeah, it's been fun to watch Tampa Bay kind of get themselves back into a comfortable position. They're right behind the Bruins coming into play on Tuesday night. Boston is six points ahead of the Lightning in that Atlantic division. But the battles between those two teams recently have been really fun to watch. I mean, we saw an unbelievable game on Saturday night with the Boston's, Boston Bruins losing to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but a little bit of everything, scoring, yeah. fighting, everything. To me, what stood out in that game and probably everybody else watching it was the scrums, the Mm five-on-five line scrums. I wouldn't call it a line brawl because that would be insulting Keith Jones' era of what a real (laughs) brawl really is all about. But uh, I look at this Tampa Bay team, and it seems like for years they've been a skilled east-west power play, let's score a lot of goals, fancy plays type team. And we all know what happened to them last year in that four-game sweep against Columbus. Going into Boston and initiating a lot of these scrums, not taking a backward step, that's the Boston Bruins. They don't get pushed around at home. They answered the bell. It turned out to be a great game. I think that's a great sign for Tampa going forward, the fact that they're not just going to try to beat you on the power play. They're not going to wait for Stamkos or Kucherov to score two goals and Mm -hmm. win the game. Um, They played a solid team game with a lot of energy in it. And Boston, I wouldn't be too concerned. They love that type of play. Anytime you want to mix it up at the Boston Garden, they're going to be there to do that. Those are the two best teams in the East, might be the two best teams in all of hockey yeah, right now. And you mentioned don't wait for Steven Samkos. Of course, he's out of the lineup right now, too, for the Lightning. Probably not coming back until maybe we'll see him in the second round yeah. of the playoffs. But, you know, you mentioned something interesting, that that sweep to the Columbus Blue Jackets last year, the shocking sweep of this dominating President Trophy uh, top team in the NHL, Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Four-game sweep, you have to wonder what that did to that team. Do you think it made them better, mm -hmm. what they learned from that experience? Absolutely. This is a bad statement to make, but hockey was easy for them for a while mm -hmm. in Tampa Bay. They were winning games. Uh, they put their sticks on the ice, and the opponent that they were playing against would say, wow, these guys can really move the puck around, and this is going to be a long night. Oh, there's another goal by Kucherov, game over. Uh, you don't win like that in the playoffs, and Tampa Bay figured that out. It's about defending. It's about keeping the puck out of your net. It's about competing. Seven games is over two weeks, but it's a really long time when you're matching up against the same person every single shift. You start to learn the tendencies of that player inside and out. You know when they're about to break. You know when they've got more to give. Um, that's why a team like Pittsburgh stands out to me because Sidney Crosby never backs down. That's why we were good in Chicago. Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, they never back down. Uh, Tampa Bay is starting to figure that out. They're playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think last year's four-game sweep is the best thing that could have happened to them going forward. Obviously, the best thing that could have happened to them was win the Stanley right. Cup last year. But you don't just win it in one shot. It takes years to build, and Tampa Bay's not going anywhere for yeah, a while. A little bit of adversity maybe was right. just what the doctor ordered for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, sticking with this division, the Atlantic division, you've got Toronto just behind Tampa. But right behind them, just one point back, is this Florida Panthers team that just won't go away. Are they going to eventually, you think... Slide into that third spot? Are they going to make the playoffs even? That's probably the toughest question you've asked me in the two <laughs> years that we've worked with each other. It seems like nobody wants that third spot. Right. The fact that Florida is one point behind Toronto now um, tells me that Toronto has been slipping a little bit because both these teams have been wildly inconsistent. Mm -hmm. uh, they're fun to watch. They're very entertaining. They're two teams that we'll have on the TV every night to watch the fancy plays on both ends. Uh, a lot of goals against, a lot of goals for, some dynamic players, but uh, the team game hasn't been there for the most part of the 60-game season to this point. Uh, it'll get interesting down the stretch. I like the fact that Morgan Riley's coming back to Toronto. Their yeah. defense core has been depleted, a lot of injuries there. That tells a bit of the story. Uh, but it'll be a fun race to watch. Both teams, uh, if they up their game and they get into the playoffs, isn't that half the battle is playing your best hockey at the right time? So we'll see who gets that third spot, but... Not an easy playoff matchup for whoever. No, gets it's it. not. And you look at Toronto. I mean, they're just so hard to figure out for me. There's so much talent on offense and led by Austin Matthews. But you mentioned they're getting Morgan Riley. That's good for the defense. But the defense, I was actually surprised they didn't go out and get. And I know it's hard to get a defenseman. Easier said than done. Mm -hmm. But they didn't go out and get a, a defenseman to try and help the injuries they've had on the blue line and the fact that they haven't been very good defensively. So uh, it's a missing piece for sure. They're gonna have to. How do you compensate for a? a a lackluster blue line, if for lack of a better word. Everybody's got to help out. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't just put it on the six guys playing defense. It becomes a, a five-man unit out there, six if you count the goaltender. But I liked uh, general manager Kyle Dubas's comments shortly after the deadline. It was the David Ayers game when mm -hmm. the city, the walls were caving in in Toronto. Everybody was coming down on the Maple Leafs for not being able to win that game. It's a learning process for these guys. Yes, Austin Matthews is a world-class talent, arguably the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League, one of them. Mitch Marner is still a young kid. These are learning steps that they need to mm -hmm. take in their career. You can't just be good right from the jump and have it all figured out. You've got to realize it takes every night you've got to compete. Every night you need more guys on board than the other team does. Uh, a team that pops into my mind is Philadelphia. They've competed every single night that they play. doesn't matter if they're playing Ottawa. doesn't matter if they're playing Washington. They're going to show up and they're going to play hard, and they want to win. And generally speaking, that's who wins the games uh, this time of year. Well, it's interesting to hear your perspective because you've been there, you've done it, you've won three cups, you know what it takes. 
which kind of is, for me, what makes Florida so scary because they're led by a guy that was leading you in Joel Quenville. So you look at the leadership that Joel Quenville has for this Florida Panthers team and what he's telling them right now. Take me back to your playing days and give me a little bit of insight into what Quenville is, is telling his Panthers players right now. Hey, we're right on the cusp. If you want to make the playoffs, this needs to happen. What's he saying? Well, I probably can't tell you what he's saying when some of those goals go in on Bobrovsky or <laughs> some of those defensive letdowns are happening out there. He's probably not very happy with that. But this is the time when Joel Quenville, Mike Kitchen are going to make a difference for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, it's nice to have them for preseason in the first 40, 60 games, but mm -hmm. it's crunch time. They're a point out, and a veteran coach and a veteran coaching staff can really make those adjustments in a game uh, week to week uh, that can put you over the top. So we'll see how it works out. On the flip side is Toronto. they got a young coach, a rookie guy in there, and Sheldon Keefe. So um, I know these teams aren't the powerhouses in the Eastern Conference that some of the other ones are, but it's still a fun race to watch. And it's got to be Florida because nobody's coming after that. There's no Buffalo doesn't right. really have a chance. Montreal's in trouble. So it's Florida, Toronto for that third spot. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's really that metropolitan division that there's a lot of teams chasing out in the back. But uh, all right, race for the playoffs continues. Sharpie fun. Another episode. That is it. Another episode of Our Line Starts. We're done. Remember, new episodes drop every Wednesday. Subscribe for automatic downloads wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.